All right, back out of here on the fan. Uh, if you're waiting to talk about Tito, we're going to get to Tito's press conference in full coming up at 920. You'll hear what he have to say, had to say for more on that, for more on the Browns as well. Let's go out to our Browns insider. His name is Daryl Ryder. Brought to you by Shopping Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, how you doing tonight? Good, JP. How are you? Have you checked your Tito bobblehead doll to make sure the scooter wasn't stolen the same way? Yes. Tito's? Okay, we're good. Okay. And it's not been soiled either. It's not. I think that part was a that part was a gimmick, right? That's not. That's not truth. Uh, I don't know. I'm a gullible human, but I I don't know if I buy that part of the story. I think that one. Was, I don't know. Maybe I just hope to believe that that part of the was, was yeah. I think you're hoping for the best of humanity, and uh, uh, life experience has told me the best of humanity sometimes just yeah. doesn't exist. Between that story and then you got the naked person on Carnegie in Ontario, it's been a banner day for people all about out and about downtown Cleveland, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. There's nowhere you can go with that. No, there's nothing I, really I can do with that. I'm sorry. What, I, I wanted to see what. No, there is, but not, n- nothing that keeps me employed. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, Daryl, what'd you what'd you make about uh, the the festivities and everything around today? I a, a couple curtain calls. It's very nice for Tito. Uh, we talked yesterday about Tito and him stepping away. Uh, thirty thousand, almost thirty thousand people showed up tonight, though. Big attendance for Tito's farewell. Yeah, honestly, I would have liked to see the place sold out, but. Um, still good crowd, uh, for the, uh, the home finale. And yeah, I, I thought the guardians did a, a really good job, uh, honoring him, paying tribute. The fans were uh, outstanding, uh, giving him the, uh, the ovation, uh, at the, at the beginning of the, uh, you know, after the, the player introductions or whatever, before first pitch and him having to go out twice for curtain calls. And then, uh, uh, the players, uh, I think it was Jose Ramirez I saw, uh, blocked the dugout step so Tito couldn't run in. <laughs> he had to stay on the field so the fans could continue giving him an ovation. So uh, I thought that that was a job well done by the players. But, yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, the the fact that he picked uh, the then Indians back in uh, 2012 to continue his, uh, you know, his managerial a career, the fact that he stayed here as long as he did. Um, they made the playoffs, I think, what, six times uh, that he was manager? So it's like once every two years they were in the playoffs. Uh, won the pennant, came within, uh, you know, uh, a game of, of winning the World Series. That still stings to this very day. It's a shame that uh, he couldn't get that done and, uh, you know, the organization couldn't win for him. Uh, so he could break two curses in baseball. But. Hall of Fame manager, he'll go into Cooperstown here in a couple years, and uh, he'll probably go in, uh, you know, uh, wearing the the Boston B because that's where he won two World Series. But uh, yeah, there there's going to be a large segment of that plaque dedicated to his time here in Cleveland, running uh, managing this uh, ball club. Daryl, is it odd that I think I can make a case that his legacy will not and would not have changed even if he had won that World Series? I, I think the people of Cleveland will remember him just as fondly. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. I, I did not mean to insinuate that his legacy was tarnished because they didn't win that World Series, not, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but uh, it just it would have been a you know a nice antidote, right? That you know he he managed uh, two franchises that had been going that had gone through tremendous uh, title droughts to championships. Um, but no, no, his legacy. Uh, uh, with what he did here in Cleveland is, you know, uh, forever cemented, 
uh, winningest manager in franchise history. Um, I, I, I again, I mean, outside of two years, every year he managed this team, they were a contender. Um, and he really, at least from my standpoint, coming off those maniacta years, which let's be honest about it, were just god awful, right? Mm-hmm. And it was basically coming off of a a decade, really, outside of two thousand seven. Yeah, from, the ALCS year. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like from 2001, right, when the when the Mariners knocked them out of the playoffs in 2001, from 2002 to 2012, it was not pretty. It, it really wasn't. And uh, the, the organization really seemed to be trying to, you know, uh, find its way. Um, you know, they had traded two Cy Young Award winners, so fan – uh, feeling toward uh, the ball club was apathetic at best. Uh, the, the team was not playing real well. And he just came in and just injected the entire organization with life. And um, I fear that his departure is uh, going to reverberate throughout the organization. Uh, and not in a positive way either. Uh, I'm really worried uh, about the future uh, of this organization right now without Terry Francona. Um, I've said it numerous times. Look, we can all agree that there is no there is no perfect coach, no perfect manager. You know, Tito will tell you himself. He's usually, you know, first in line to make fun of himself and to tell you he messed something up. But um, I, I, I think that those that were not on Tito's side, those fans, you, you're going to be on his side in a very short amount of time when you realize what you're going to be missing without having him in that third base dugout. I want, I want to know if you, th- if you agree with me or not. I, I don't think I'm in the, the majority or the popular side of this take, but I, I, some people are like, oh, well, Tito should come back and, and he, you know, he can just kind of be around the team sparingly. You know, He can be in spring training, he can do this, he can do that. I, I kind of think that overshadows the new skipper, Daryl. I feel like a, a new skipper's got to put down his own his own mark on a squad and if the, the the giant shadow of tito is there and around i don't know that i love that mm, i think that if you it, obviously he's not going to be in a coaching capacity so i think the new skipper can will have whatever latitude there but i would like to see him remain with the organization in some sort of official front office capacity whether that's a you know make up make up your your fancy title. They, they can call the Browns. The Browns are the kings of making up fancy titles for people. <laughs> That's a good job. Why don't they just go over to, you know, place a call to 76 Lugrosa Boulevard and the Haslams can give you some fancy schmancy title to give Terry Francona uh, to keep him in the front office in some capacity. I, I don't think that he would loom over the new manager. And, and here's why I say that is because Tito knows his place. He's very big on knowing your role and, and things like that, right? People skills, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He would make a conscientious effort to stay out of the way of the new manager. So I, I, I think it's it, – if he wants to do it, I think it would be invaluable for the Guardians organization – to be able to continue to benefit from his people skills, his baseball expertise, et cetera, et cetera, uh, in some capacity that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, managing on 
uh, the diamond. Well, I do think that should be something that the new manager has a say in, uh, because I think that ultimately it's got to be his dime, his dance for. Uh, have you scouted out a managerial big board, or you're not no. there yet? No, I'm not there yet. Okay. I think this is going to happen quick, Daryl. I don't think they're going to waste time on this one. I don't know. I don't know if it is. Uh, I, 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 I gather that they, um, yeah, I would guess that they've already begun the process very quietly behind the scenes, uh, d- doing their own due diligence and homework because they've known for a while that this was happening. Um, <clears throat> you know, it was the worst kept secret in the world. So, uh, but I also anticipate they're going to wait a moment to see if anyone comes available unexpectedly, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, even someone like Boone, for instance, I don't think Council's coming here, but someone like Aaron Boone could easily come here. Exactly. So, I, I, I you know, you, you want to make sure you've got the full playing field before you go ahead and make a decision. So, I, I, I understand what you're saying. You think they, they're going to move quickly and things like that. I think they also want to make sure that they've got the full pool of candidates to choose from or before they ultimately make a final decision. Sure, I get that. And I, I am kind of thinking, and, and again, I was thinking after the season, but it was going to move quickly after the season. But now as we're talking about it, I was thinking about one of the advantages the Browns had in hiring Jim Schwartz right away, right? You got to him before other teams could. Yeah, well, and again, look, uh, I'm sure Chris Antonetti has the managerial big board up in his office, right? I hope so. I mean, Nick it, Wilson and Dustin Fox have one, so no. <laughs> Antonetti, they better have a big board up. So, I, I, that being said, you know, from the, you know, to your point, yes, I expect the process to move quickly, interviews and things like that, narrowing the field and, and whatnot. But again, I think that they will make sure nobody pops open uh, to be available. Uh, before they, you know, obviously make their final decision. Uh, Daryl, is it wild that I believe the Browns should beat the Ravens this weekend? No, the Ravens are beat up, man. No, this, uh, dude, stars are aligning for the Cleveland they Browns really this are, year. Daryl, they really are. They really are, right? Joe Burrow's banged up in Cincinnati. They kicked the you know what out of them in week one, and they, they should have won week two, and they blew that one, right? Um, Came back uh, last week and and you know took care of business again. No, they ought to win this game Sunday. They ought to go into the bye week three and one for the third time in four years under Kevin Stefanski. I love that. I absolutely love it. And I mean, they're a very injured team right now, obviously. But you you talk to people in Baltimore right now. They they they're yelling at Todd Munkin already. The, <laughs> the Lamar the Lamar <laughs> passing era isn't off to the greatest start that they yeah. thought it would be. He's averaging uh, 40 yards fewer than what he averaged through the year just two years ago. And this is supposed to be like a dynamic offense, one that he said he was going to throw 6,000 yards in. Like, this is. This is the this first is the time, time ever that Lamar Jackson should be scared to come to Cleveland. I like that. If you think about it, you look at what the Browns have defensively. I mean, Clowney was a nightmare for him always, though. Uh, I understand what you're saying. In the JOK, because JOK was drafted to stop Lamar, but I remember that Sunday night game, Clowney was just an absolute force in, on, on Lamar. He continually was in his face, but this is going to be not just not just Clowney getting after him. This is a million different directions and players getting after him. Yeah, So, and, and then the secondary going down the field, right, and the wide receiver core is in 100%. So this is, again, the stars are aligning. Opportunity knocks. Browns need to seize the opportunity, take advantage of it. Get themselves going into the bye week feeling real good at three and one because you got a beast coming to town in San Francisco after the bye. Then the schedule gets fun. Indy, Seattle, Arizona should be able to rip some wins off there before you got to play the Ravens and Steelers back to back. Then Denver, the Rams, Jacksonville, Chicago, Houston. 
you ought to be able to rip all those games off. I mean, look, we're looking at I, – I went into the season saying 10, 11 wins. Scrap that. Ooh. They may go 11 to 14 wins. Anywhere from 11 to 14 wins this year. 11 if to this, 14? If, if this defense plays the way that they're capable of and they're able to stay healthy enough, yeah. Look, I mean, look at the schedule. I'm with you. I'm with Look you. at the schedule. Vegas, Darryl, Vegas. Colts don't it. scare me. Seahawks don't scare me. Cardinals are a laughing stock, right? Vegas, which doesn't Denver. take emotions into play. They're all about the, the money. Yeah, They've moved the into Rams, the wins. Jaguars, the Bears. That's that's seven Texans. That's eight games right there. The oh, and the Jets. That's nine. It yeah. looks good, Daryl. It looks good. I, they have not won. I'm gonna ready for my bold prediction. Let's get it. Hey, uh, Big Weege, get the get the headline ready here, okay? The Cleveland Browns in the expansion era have never won more than four games in a row. That is going to change this season. Oh, not that great for a headline, but it's a good line. It's, 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 it's well, I wasn't line. trying to give you a headline. Well, I, I was just, ready for the headline. I, yeah, I, I wasn't trying to give you a headline. That's my 14, bold prediction. Though, that's, that's good enough for me. That, all right, so when did, what stretch does it start? Does it start in the indie game and then just kind of uh, keeps going? I'm going to go Denver through the Jets. So sweep the West Coast trip, Broncos, Rams, Jaguars, Bears. And I thought Jacksonville Titans, was going to be a hard Jets. game entering this year. And they've, I'm going to go six in a row. The They're going to win six in a row after they get done with the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah, what a generous Bears, Texans, Jets thing we have going oh, on. Oh, that is a gift from heaven. And yeah. who knows what the Bengals are going to look like by week 18. That's true. Again, the stars are aligning, but it's up to these guys to – have their stuff together, bring it week in and week out, and get the job done. They, but it, it's – I'm telling you, man, when, when I looked at that schedule this afternoon and I was kind of pondering some things, I was like, man, I might have really undersold this this year. They really may be they, – they might be a top, top four or top three seed in the AFC when the dust settles. Right. I don't think that I don't think they're going to get that for you know they're not going to be the top seed in the AFC, but I don't know. The AFC North all of a sudden feels like it could be in play. Love to hear it, Daryl. Uh, fantastic insight as always, and of course, Daryl brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Enjoy the rest of the evening, and I'll talk to you again on Sunday. Thank you, Daryl. You got it, bud. All right, good stuff right there with Daryl Ryder, our Browns insider. Let's go back to Tito two one six four seven four to below ninety two. You'll hear from Tito after the game. What would the Tito era have been with the World Series? Would it have changed anything for you guys? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. We'll do it all next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. Hey guys, don't miss the post game edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland with Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin, sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Subscribe now, ninety two three thefan dot com or the Odyssey app to get three episodes every week, including. That special postgame edition. Good stuff with Daryl tonight. Very, very good stuff with Daryl. A lot of really strong Browns opinions in there. Some good Tito stuff as well. Odyssey, rewind, go back and listen to that. Man, the man's in, in mid-season form already. You'll love to see it. I do think, and we'll get to Tito's postgame in just a second. Give me a moment here, though. You know, I, I think it's odd that you have a scenario with Tito where he didn't end up winning the World Series in 2016 he really didn't have much postseason success, if we're just being truthful about it, okay? 
we're all friends here. The, the, the team that was built to win was not the 2016 team. The team that they gave him the Ferrari and said go after it was really in reality the 2017 Indian squad. The team that won 102 games and then lost in the ALDS in five games. That team, that one was the one that was built to win. And remember, up until this last year in 2022, they'd gone that entire stretch, really had been five years without winning a single postseason series. For me, my framework around the Tito timeline here is going to be remembered for a couple of things. It'll be remembered for the 2016 run, and it will also be remembered for having a really good stretch of regular season baseball teams. I want to know how fans think about that, though. How do we acknowledge a really good regular season baseball manager that obviously in Boston won two World Series, but in the 11 years he was here, got us to first place a multitude of times, I mean, we had three straight first-place finishes in the division throughout that stretch there from 2016 to 2018. We did finish in first last year in 2022. Like, they were good. They were a great regular season team beating up in a time where baseball gave you 19 chances a year to play the Tigers and 19 chances a year to play the Royals and 19 chances a year to play some of the really bad AL Central teams. White Sox were hit or miss, but they were more bad than good. And I'm, I'm, my brain has a hard time with this one. Because I know and appreciate what Tito did. And yes, it is much better than the Manny Acta era. But what's fascinating to me is that Terry Francona didn't need the World Series win in order to have you guys change your impression of him in the slightest bit. And there aren't many managers that can really say the same thing. A lot of the times your managerial love or your coaching love comes from the amount of postseason success that you have. That's really not the case with Tito. Tito honestly is remembered more about keeping the team afloat and keeping the team as a good regular season team that had a chance every single postseason and then fell up short there. But we don't think about it that way because baseball, listen, predicting like baseball playoff success, you had a better chance of predicting the lotto numbers. It's just way in, way too hard to be consistently good in the postseason. It, it's, it's shocking to me when you go back and look at some of the dynasties in baseball history like even recent, like uh, the the late '90s, early 2000s Yankees teams that won four in five years. It's like, how did they do that? Yeah, I know they had a million Hall of Famers. They were really talented. They won 95 plus games every year. I get all that, but I don't know how they ended up winning as many times as they do because the baseball postseason is such a crapshoot. It's built to be maddening. It's built to to have you pull your hair out. Really, all you can ask for is a ticket into the dance. And Tito, year in, year out, delivered that for the Guardians. Made the postseason more times than he didn't in a Guardians-Indians uniform. I mentioned the first-place finishes. Really, this year, that now he's at, what What are we at, 75 wins this year, is the fewest amount of wins that he's going to have in any given season while managing here. And he's incredible. No one's taking that away from Terry Francona in the slightest bit. What I think is fascinating, though, is that the idea that he would have won the World Series or was a, a rain delay away from winning the World Series? I mean, who knows? Who knows if uh, Jason Hayward over on the Cubs side doesn't give a Tony Robbins-esque speech, and as much as I love Lindor, the famous thing out of that whole series was he took a nap during the rain delay, which is incredible to me. Just incredible that he was even able to take a nap. I couldn't go to sleep for 48 hours after that World Series. Yet, yet in the middle of the game, the biggest player on the on the Guardians Indians uh, was just like taking a siesta. Wild to me, but it happened. It happened. 
If he had won the World Series as opposed to not winning the World Series the way it went down, the incredible thing about Tito is I don't think his likability, I don't think the reaction you would have saw tonight, I don't think any of it would have been any different. I think people have a built-in love for Tito that surpasses what that love is for even, let's say, someone that won a title here in Cleveland, Ty Lue. And I know you're listening out there and you're saying, Duh, Ty Lue had LeBron. Ty Lue had not wasn't here for nearly as many years. He wasn't here for 11 years. He didn't consistently do it at the same rate. All these other type of things, which is kind of laughable if you think about it, because all Ty Lue did was go to the NBA Finals every single year and then also, you know, snap our losing streak in this city as far as title drop was concerned and actually did bring the chip home. But if you were to have me rank, favorite Cleveland managers slash coaches in the previous 20 years, I don't even know that Ty Lue would end up number two on that list behind Tito, and that's saying something in and of itself. We don't have to start ranking people right now, though, because that's not what this is about. I just find the thing impressive, or the part of this impressive to me, is that for some reason we fall in love with managers, and for, and for some reason with other managers, we just seem to let them go by the wayside. And I don't know why that is, but with Tito, he was always one of these guys. You know, I'm convinced Stefanski could win the Super Bowl, and I'd get calls on Monday from people complaining about the play calling. Hey, won the Super Bowl, but could you imagine what Alex Van Pelt could have called in that game? Like, honestly, I could I could see that being the rhetoric. That's like Some people, you either love them or you don't. And with Tito, it just felt like for 98% of the fan base – even the ones, the diehards that watched him day in, day out, and could see some of the on-field obvious mistakes that he would make from, from relievers to pinch hitting for the wrong guys at the wrong moments, it all just didn't matter. It all just didn't matter. We decided we liked him. We decided he was our guy. We decided that, and this kept being brought up, the idea that he was better than Manny Acta, so that was, that was good enough for everybody. But ultimately, what his memory will be is a couple things. He is a Tony Robbins of the clubhouse. He is a cultural and really when it comes to the clubhouse, the way he was able to just be a manager for the players, he was a player's manager that you just don't see. And he was a great regular season baseball manager. That I think is going to be the takeaways or should be the takeaways. He's a great regular season baseball manager and he was very good with the clubhouse. Some would almost argue he was too loyal to a fault. But I've told you guys earlier in this program, that's a trait that I have. I can't rip on somebody for making that one of their traits as well. Won't do it. Anyway, here was Tito after the game. Uh, I don't know if he gets emotional or not. I have not heard this audio. This is him speaking after the Guardians win. Here we go. Oh, man, that was so nice. I mean, he looked like Bieber. And now he can go home, have hopefully a, a normal offseason and come back next spring and be Bieber. And by that, you know, nobody has a crystal ball, but kind of I think everybody here kind of has a pretty high level of confidence that he's pretty good when he's healthy. I know you're not playing the game, but what's it like just emotionally going through just everything that happened prior to the game for you and even at the end? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of difficult. Um, it was really touching. Don't don't ever get me wrong. I mean, my goodness sakes. I mean, you know, I, I've told this group plenty of times. I know I'm not the smartest person in the room by far. 
but I was smart enough to pick a place where I believed in the people, and that only grew. And I think anybody that's ever spent 10 minutes with me knows how much I like it here. It's so close to kind of how I, where I grew up and two hours away, and it, it, it was a good decision. It just seems like it got better. And we we typically, unfortunately, we had a lot of hits and not enough runs. And we got a little loose on the bases at times, but um, it was nice to see like Tenna do some things and you know guys chip in. Those these are good development games for these guys. They're going to learn something. Is it odd for you knowing? Where you'll be next year, talking about the future of guys like Bieber and these other guys. I'm okay with that because I'm. I told him the other day, I'm not. I'm going to be rooting like hell for these guys. Um, might be in a rocking chair or something. Hopefully, be on the golf course. But I will never not root for these guys. I, I, I love these guys, man. I, this is this has been 11 years of good. What was going through your head when the guys were blocking the entrance? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, come on, man, enough. Like, it's, <laughs> I think that's why they were doing it, just because they knew I was kind of feeling it. But it, it's not, I mean, it's nice. I believe me, down deep, I mean, I was really touched. Um, but I guess what I'm just trying to convey is the 11 years here are what is the best part. It's not like the last day, it's, Everything that I lived through here with the people that I was with, man, that's what that's what I care about. Any surprise that it came down to a one-run game with a Class A on the mound? Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that's kind of kind of how it's been. You'd think with you know with three three games left now, you'd be able to say, you know what, my stomach was in my throat. Just guess it'll be that way till Sunday. Printing up 30,000 copies of the picture of you tipping your cap from the, the pregame passed them out to fans on the way out. You ever, ever had 30,000 of your pictures uh, distributed after the game? Not, not on purpose. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I mean, there, there's, I, I, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned to Chris and Cherney afterwards. I need to figure out who to reach out because there's so many, so many people in this organization. It's just, they're just nice people, and. I need to find a way to, because these things don't just happen. So I need to kind of figure out who to reach out to and how to do it. And I will. I'm just not sure quite how to do that at this point. But it's just, the, the good part of it is, like, the things I'm saying, I've felt this way for 11 years. I'm not just saying it because I'm leaving. That, that's the really good part about it. Terry, I know you knew that tribute video was coming, but when you got to stand there and watch it, you know, truth be told, I don't remember a lot of it because I think I was kind of nervous. But I did when I saw my dad. That was, you know, um, and I was glad Millsy was here, and he was in a lot of that. So that that you know that Demarlo was standing next to me while I was on. Those things are meaningful to me. The clubhouse guys were standing right behind him. Those are the things that mean a lot. You kind of said, but what would you, your last message be to the fans now? Um, I think tonight it would just be thank you. Um, I have tried to do my best all the time 
and sometimes it's been better than others. Um, but I appreciate my, my time here very much, and I hope that they support these guys moving forward because there's a lot to like. We didn't get things accomplished this year like we wanted. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. All right, good stuff right there with Tito. That was very touching. I don't. How did they print out 30,000 copies of a photo that he did before the game to hand out to people after the game? There's a lot that was touching there from Tito, but I just can't. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. How do you print out 30,000? Do they have like a – I got to find out how that worked. I, I don't know the inner workings, obviously. It feels like – I mean, it's not like just going to your printer and being like, hey, print out this, and it just prints it 30,000 times. It's like, yeah, it's going to take a little bit. How do they How do they do that? I need to know. I need to find out that answer. Somebody has an inside info. Was it colored photos too? Like was it like the whole – the big deal, or was it these like just black and white photos? Who's in charge? Of, who thinks of these things? That's incredible. But it was a great sentiment by Tito. Uh, we're going to stay with Tito for a little bit. we got the fan focus at 10 o'clock. you got to hear what Roquan Smith had to say. Roquan Smith plays for the Ravens. You guys know that. Uh, he made uh, just unreal comments about this upcoming weekend's game for the Browns. You want to hear that? We're getting that at 1020. But I want to hear from you guys. 216-474-0092. Are you worried about the Guardians' future? And just be honest with me because that's all I ever ask of you guys. I don't care if you make me mad. I don't care if you make me uh, happy. I just ask for honesty. If Tito comes back out of retirement two years from now and coach for a different team, how would you feel about it? 216-474 to below 92. We'll do it all next. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan. All righty, back out of here on the fan. And while Cleveland will try to make it back-to-back wins on Sunday against Baltimore, tap into everything else you're going to need to know about week four coming up by checking out Kickoff with Boomer Siasin and Mike Valeni on the free Odyssey app presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it. And Lowe's, Lowe's knows home improvement. Listen from 7 to 8 Friday night before me, Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin on 92.3 The Fan. All right, you guys heard from Tito last segment. Want to hear from you, 216-474-0092. Are you worried about the Guardians' future without Terry Francona? The part that can't escape my mind is if I had to bet money, I think Tito comes back in a couple years to another team. I think Bruce Bochy should be wrecking Guardians fans right now. What happened with Bruce Bochy and stepping away from San Francisco and then coming back a couple years later and now taking a Texas team that was left for dead in one year, they hire Bruce Bochy, they get a new front office, and all of a sudden they're going to be in the postseason. He's got the health, the health issues. He's probably, uh, all things God willing, going to get those in order, going to get those all right. Feeling better, and then maybe he comes back to manage us uh, to manage. You know, I, I told uh, Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio, a couple months ago. We were talking before we uh, did the hit, and you know, she has family in the area, and she was just asking. She's like, you know, I we we love Tito. How long do you think Tito's going to go for? And this was before he gave any hint of retirement or anything like that. It was just on the top of her mind. And I said, I, I think he's going to die in the dugout. I think he just loves it all so much. Baseball's his life. It's all he's done for so many years. And I, I just didn't see how we could ever move off of that. And I, I believe, and this is just my belief, but I bet a lot of you guys would be mad if the season went the way that it did for the Guardians this year. And if you were in charge. I know you're mad from a fan perspective, but I'm talking being mad from a this-is-my-life perspective. 
You were one game out of 500 at the trade deadline. They traded away a player that you loved enough to continue to throw in the two-hole, which is the most important spot in baseball, in Ahmed Rosario, and they made absolutely zero upgrades. And if you want to call me or you want to tweet at me at Jay Peterlin and Twitter Reactions brought to you by our friends at Shop and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store, please go ahead and do it. But there's no evidence to suggest they did anything but wave the white flag. And please, at this point, I think you know you're embarrassing yourself and me in this conversation if you even try to bring Lucas Giolito into the mix. That is bringing an absolute water pistol to a knife fight, okay? Like, you're not, sorry, it's not working. But my belief is he clashed with the front office over some of the decisions, and the front office said to themselves, okay, that's fine. All right, we can't get rid of you. You're Terry Francona. You get to call your shots. But Tito got upset about it. Tito got angry enough about it as they kept pushing and pushing, and they were playing a cat-and-mouse game. All right, fine. You want to play Rosario every day? We'll ship him off to the to Los Angeles. You want to play Mike Zanino every day? We made a mistake by it. I understand that. You want to play him every day? Okay, fine. We'll trade him as well, and we'll eat the salary attached to it. And I just think there was a lot of these type of moves and really, it just ended up with a butting of heads, and obviously one side needed to go. It's not going to be Chernetti in this instance, and Tito was the one that decided enough was enough. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. These things happen. But I understand why Tito got to this point. You can't have a team like you did last year and then go backwards. I always tell you this with sports. You can't go backwards. you got to work on a linear path. The moment that you start, that you stop winning more games than you, you did the previous year is the moment that hot seats start to happen, jobs start to be on the line, and then even guys like Tito that are baseball lifers get to stop calling the shots of when they do go. Now, at least in this instance, Tito got to call the shot and say, I'm done. I'm out. I'm over. It's done. That's why I believe two years from now, maybe three years from now, maybe even next year. I don't know. But that's why I believe he eventually does come back and manage for another team. I will not be shocked. The, the day we get that text notification, Terry Francona signs on to be the manager of Team X, Y, or Z. And, and we can talk about who would replace Tito, and I think it's going to move quick. We'll do that all as we need to and as it progresses on. I don't need to give you a bunch of names that get discounts at the movie theater in the afternoons. Okay, I think they're going to go younger than older in this search. But I think more importantly, I think the front office is going to go for a bobblehead. I think they're going to go for a, a puppet of sorts, right? Someone that will fill out the lineup card the way that they want to and, and the way they want it filled out and aren't going to give them any gruff about it. You know, yes, men do get jobs as well. That's life. You have to sell your soul to the devil a little bit, but yes, men get jobs. And that's what I would imagine they would go after in this scenario. The reality is that Tito wasn't that. Tito beat to his own drum, and in many ways it was fascinating how we had one of the more analytically sound front offices and one of the few managers in the game that still used his gut to make a decision in the seventh inning. We're going to be going more by the book moving forward, I would imagine, which for some people will feel like you're playing the computer in chess where they just always make the right move. It's a little boring for some people, but look around. That's sports these days. It won't feel robotic to you guys. It'll feel natural, but that's where sports is. Culture guy, players guy, that's a bobblehead for the front office. That's the guy they're going to end up targeting. Someone that will do the bidding of the front office, but also be able to get the young guys to buy in as well. If I had to guess, that's what I would say. Tito wasn't that guy. He's not a bobblehead. He's not a yes man. 
Tito is a, I'm going to do this my way or the highway, and I'm going to work off my intuition. I'm going to work off my baseball life years, and I'm going to go ahead and call the shots the way that I see it. 216-474-0092. Matt, up next on The Fan. Hello, Matt. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Matt? Hey, so I am going to be absolutely, like, floored if Tito is not managing, like, next year or the year after. I Nothing that I heard today or in the past few weeks has indicated to me that he's done, like, done-done. It just sounds like he's done with this organization. I Like, I could easily see him being a manager yeah. even next year of, like, say, like, the Padres or even the Mets. Like, like, like it seems like I think he could handle those kind of organizations because I feel like he's had to be, like, 10,000 different – 10,000 different people. He's had to be like the PR guy. He's had to be the, uh, he's had to be the or basically the, the manager. He's had to be the rah-rah guy. I think in a place like uh, with the Mets or with the uh, Padres, he could just do what he loves and manage. Like, I think, I, like, I know people kind of hit the nail on the head earlier today, but uh, you hit, said it earlier. So these people have gotten so sick of, of, uh, of Tito and like some of his, you know, maneuvers, like, you want Manny Acta, this is how you're going to get Manny Acta, because I guarantee you uh, no other organization or no other uh, manager is going to look at this where, you know, Tito had some loyalty to Cleveland because of his dad. There's not going to be a lot of people that are going to be flocking to a team where all oh, the, the owner's a cheapskate and doesn't spend. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, the local TV contract is going to make things even worse. So, so you know, like, uh, I, I don't want to probably look for someone uh, selling white walls. In all seriousness, like, 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 people are people have to realize this. This team's in trouble. Like, like they think attendance was bad. They think, you know, whatever. Like, morale in this fan base is probably the lowest that's been. And the Savali move, and just the fact that like you look like what you know players like Josh Bell did the second they left Cleveland. It's like people are start gonna gonna look more intently and be like. What in the heck is actually going on within this organization, and why can't we get over the hump? Because 2016-2017 is a long way, a long time ago, right? Yeah. And and this organization, I feel like they were one move away in 2017. They're like, eh, let's just stand pat. It's like yeah, they, they won 102 uh, so, games, though. I don't know about that, man. I mean, that 2017 team was really good. I. No, I no, I said after 2017. I mean. Oh, after 2017. Oh, I agree with that. Okay, all right. Yeah, I thought you said 2017. Yeah, I agree with yeah, that. We, yeah, when we were when we were one move away. Yes. Yeah. No. Yes. So, so it'll probably be a return to uh, to snow days. It'll probably be a return to all the gimmicks uh, that actually lose the team money. But hey, it's all about fan relations for the uh, fans that you don't care about. It's the uh, it, it's it's the guys in the suites that we really care about, right? Matt, thank you for the call, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, Matt. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. It's a good call. Good call. I want to hear from you guys in this situation. I want to hear what you guys think about Tito and and the moves now going forward. I said the fan focus was going to be at 10, but you guys want to get into this, so we're going to move the fan focus a little bit later on. We'll get to the Browns as well. Roquan Smith and uh, what he had to say in riling up the Browns. We'll do all that more this hour. It's overtime with Jonathan Petal in here with you on the fan.